Welcome to Senator Chat, a podcast devoted to staying informed and sane in the time of Trump. I'm Ben, and I'm joined tonight by Mike and Andrew. Hey. Andrew and I are recording together from the city of brotherly love, home of the death of Tom Brady's dreams. Woo! We are recording on the evening of... Well, sorry. We're, we're recording on the evening of Monday, February 5th, 2018. Today is day 381 of the resistance. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes at the Google Play Store or at our website, sanitycheckpod.com. So I was um, I was traveling, so I was not able to watch it live. Um, Who are you, so Reggie I, Miller? I, That's not. I was trying to think of a good traveling joke. That was the best one I had. I think Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing were the uh, um, the two biggest. Antonio so. Davis. All right, you guys always have the most relevant topic. It has to be a pacer. Interludes. But um, uh, since we uh, last spoke, there was um, the most watched State of the Union ever, was according there? according to Donald Trump. Most watched by people who count. Yeah, all the got... people who weren't watching were bussed in from Massachusetts. That's right. Um, did either of you have a chance to watch it live? Yeah, I did watch it live. It was uh, bad. I had the chance, and I elected not to. So, Mike, since you're the only one of us who watched it live... This is just like last year. You guys relied on me to watch the, this awful mess and then report back on it. It was terrible. Well, I believe you, but what, but th- okay, what gosh, made it terrible? So, the thing I find the most... I can't give a comprehensive overview. It's like, you know, why is the sky blue? But... It it was gross. He's learned that he can point to people who've suffered f- through tragedies, and like he, and then they get applause, and like that's very satisfying to him. But he has no respect or understanding for like that they've been through something bad. He kept getting people to stand up who'd been through tragic situations, and he would like he would be like stand up please, and then they'd get a bunch of applause, and then he'd say thank you. And in a way where I was just like, that's really gross and weird, because he's not sympathizing with them. He's just being like, it's so solemn and great. What a great speech I'm giving. And everyone's really respecting how, like, you know, the content is so affecting and making people so passionate. The way you describe thank you almost makes it sound too like he's he's thanking people for applauding when he asked them to. Or, even more gross, he's thanking the survivors of tragedy for, like, participating in the pageantry of his State of the Union. Like, or he's like, thank you for that you went through this horrible thing. And it's, it reminded me just of last year, where he learned this lesson, where he had the uh, the widow of the um, serviceman. I forget which, I forget all the details, which is... Well, anyway, but he pointed to her and he, and he talked about how, like, her husband would be looking down from heaven and he'd be happy because he broke a record for the amount of applause he received. And I was like, that's fucked up. Did you notice that a number of times Trump actually applauded for himself? Yes, which was also very weird. <laughs> Super classic. Because you don't do that. And it was very loud because he clapped right into the microphone. He was also sniffing a lot. I, but other than that, it was pretty run of the mill. It was the thing it's that was long. the most frustrating to me about it actually was not the speech itself, but the media take on it, which was that it was like a call for bipartisanship, 
when it was really like a call for racial terror. You mean because of the like 23 minute section on how uh, MS-13 is terrorizing every member of the country and That's right. murdering all of us in our sleep repeatedly? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, well all these all these stories I was talking about where he would call members of the audience to stand up and appreciate the applause he was getting for them via their victimhood. Um, they At were the all... hand of um, undocumented immigrants. Yeah, it was usually, usually yeah. people who had suffered violence. Uh, and it's a tricky thing because it, it is, of course, sad that those things happened. But at the same time, statistically, undocumented immigrants are less likely to commit crimes than native-born Americans. So anyway, yeah, other than that, the speech was... The other thing people have pointed out about it is that it was 5,500 words, um, but but much longer. In yeah, it took him 90 minutes to, yeah. to get that out. Um, because he, he sort of paused for applause after every sentence, and he ad-libbed. You know, the way he ad-libs is to just repeat what he said, but with bigger adjectives. And he says, you know, believe. he didn't, I don't think there was any believe me's. Beautiful. He, to... he talked about beautiful coal. Yeah, which well, he as likes we all to know, throw in, you know, the most beautiful of the. Isn't films. that great? Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Now, I, I have to say, I. Mostly I will... he just read it as it was written, which was gross. Paul Ryan and uh, Mike Pence have really mastered the art of the sycophantic stare and uh, smarmy smile. The other great thing about the State of the Union was the um, they would cut to Nancy Pelosi with just the, like, death stare or I'm, the Congressional Black Caucus. I'm starting to feel that her differences with Trump are not just professional. I think she would be perfectly willing to, like, make compromises that were reasonable, but his personal characteristics seem clearly very off-putting. Well, plus his call for bipartisanship is always that bipartisans should come together and do what I said in the first place. Well, yeah, but that's not... W used to make that speech, too. You know, that's what Republicans mean when they say bipartisanship is everyone can get together and do exactly what I say. I mean, yeah, Mitch McConnell does that bullshit, too. Yeah. Um, and, and the Democrats never like it. But I, I haven't really seen them as, like profoundly anti a speech and it's basically in its entirety usually well, I, the speechwriters will try to throw in something to get the other people i mean there were at least a dozen members of congress on the democratic side who boycotted i wouldn't have entirely. gone i mean it was yeah. pointless it wasn't there was nothing in it there was no content it was mostly just a it was like if you took a one of his warehouse rally appearances and just turned the volume down on it, but didn't really change what the substance was. It was like it, that. There's never really been any... Like, it's clear that this group of people has no interest at all in reaching out to anybody. They just... They're doing their thing. They're not They're not making that um, statement to get the other side to applaud. It, they, they just want their own people to applaud. Well, and also, Matt Iglesias has been on about this recently... He he's been saying that like Trump isn't is not the president. Like Trump is a guy who can't be bothered to do almost anything. That so is true. when he talks, 
people have started to just discount any of the any of it because they know that like John Kelly or Stephen Miller or whoever it is for whatever the policy area is actually in charge. Yeah, I mean, and so when he gives a I speech, even if he proposes something, everyone knows that doesn't mean anything. He's not going to follow through on it. It's not important to him. Literally, the most substantive stuff that he does as president is tweet. He uh, nominates shitty judges. But he's not even doing that. It's not like he's picking them. Well, I, he just he, he signs the paper when when uh, Mike Pence puts that. In I front don't of think. Him. I mean. There's a lot of elements of being president where you're mostly making choices among a list of options that get provided to you. Right, that's, but I think, that's not unusual to Trump. I think most presidents would at least take that list and they would study the, the elements of the list and try to make as informed and reasonable decision as they were able to, given the information that they had. Gorsuch was in the audience. He was. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was not. Stephen Breyer I mean, was not. I don't feel like they should have to go. No, they don't. I don't think we should do this speech anymore. Like, even when Obama did it, Obama's a good speaker, and he would clearly put a lot of effort into making, you know, presenting a speech that would be informative or whatever. And even in those circumstances, it was pointless. It's a pointless speech. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Yeah, it really is pointless. The particularly at this point in time, I mean, but there's... with all the applause, it's just become like a hollow gesture. I mean, the, I, I guess in theory, you're supposed to set forth the legislative agenda for the coming year, but it, I think it very rarely does what the president say have anything to do with the legislative agenda that follows. And, you know, I mean, I guess it would be interesting if a president said, you know, the State of the Union is very weak, but um, I, I don't think that's going to happen. There time, was some so. Jimmy Carter where he was like, you know, the State of the Union is like, okay, like, about the most, like, the least strong anyone has ever been willing to go on record. But it doesn't oh. matter, because, like, what the hell does it even mean, the State of the Union is strong? Anyone who's looking at the situation honestly knows that the State of our Union is, like, almost dead. Like, badly wounded and suffering from severe ailment. Yeah, Union is not really what what I'm feeling <laughs> happening no. around us. No, we're having a really bad problem. But no president's going to say that. Plus, he doesn't think it's a problem. Oh, he's like, the division and sadness and misery is what I like, and I'm doing it on purpose. Well, why would he think there's a problem when he has the um, Trump Department of Justice to look out for him? You know he thinks there's a problem, because he was complaining that Democrats not clapping enough for him was treasonous. Yeah, I mean, I saw that today, and it's quite interesting, because A, he clearly doesn't know what the definition of treason is. I think he's just trolling. Like, I don't even think he, he's he's not really going to do anything about this. I think he's just trolling. Oh, of course he's not going to do anything about it. But do you think that he act, he, he didn't mean it? You With him, the Who concept knows? of meaning stuff doesn't, yeah. doesn't have any no, applicability. Right. He's like a machine that spews bullshit. I mean, there was probably like a Fox News segment about it, too, where they, they, must, they must have or said not. something like he's, that. He's... 
he's a competent generator of like evil right wing propaganda in his own right. Do we know know that for sure? Sure, we do. If you watch the debates, he started calling Adam Schiff "little Adam Schiff," and I'm like, "You used that one." Well, he's used that one several times. Yeah, he has. He's he's getting tired. I think that that's what he does for people who are thinner than he is. Is as that's the main thing that I've noticed because I don't think I mean, I, I mean, Adam Rubio Schiff is, is not short. really that little. I'm sure Trump couldn't pick Adam Schiff out of a lineup of one person. <laughs> It's true, but uh, speaking of Adam Schiff, um, he has not been uh, very favorable towards this um, real bombshell of a memo. That, in in uh, finger quotes. Yeah, in finger quotes, right. That uh, that Devin Nunez really shocked the world with on Friday. I mean, after, after I'm all that, two, two weeks of... It was like uh, ESPN with LeBron and the decision. I mean, that was, uh, I know that's not the topic of this podcast, but that also was a really stupid thing, the LeBron thing. That's why I compared it to this. I know, but nobody, we don't ever complain about it enough. People people need to know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I mean, I mean, Fox News was basically wall to wall, 24 7 coverage on this memo that was going to, you know, prove that the Russia investigation was a sham. Donald Trump was an innocent man who was being set up by the evil Democrats. Um, you know, Jeff Sessions was going to be imminently indicting Robert Mueller for, you know, God knows what, um, and so on. And then, I mean, this, yeah. was a, this was a serious memo. I mean, John Kelly delivered it to the Oval Office for Donald Trump to read. He left him alone for <laughs> Which like is, four to six... Which is, everyone participated in the charade that he can read. Right. They, they left him alone for like four to six hours to read the three and a half pages. Kelly of... was like, no cheeseburgers until you read the memo. <laughs> and Trump's like at the door crying and being like, I don't <laughs> want to read the memo. I can't read the memo. And by all accounts, he didn't do it. And Kelly's like, read the first sentence out loud to me, and I'll give you half the cheeseburger. (laughs) Do you think Trump is confused by the new Diet Coke cans? I mean, among his list of confusing things, I'm not sure it's at the top. I I think that his favorite uh, flavor is the funky mango. But this is... um, Uh, Anyway. People should remember who Devin Nunes is. Namely, the guy who invented the unmasking hoax. Like, this is not his first time trying to generate some cover for Trump. Well, it it actually goes even deeper and more ridiculous than that. I think that this is a play they've been trying to run for, uh, like, the last year or so. I mean, yeah, so you I mean, you mentioned this unmasking thing. So that was a ploy that the White House handed to Devin Nunez. He like went pretended... to a secret meeting with it. He was like, oh, I got to go get some dry cleaning. And then he ran through some bushes. Right. Well, he, like... he jumped out of a moving car and ran through some he did. bushes. He, ju- he literally jumped out of a moving car and his aides didn't know where he was going. It turned out he was going to the White House. He's to meet so... with Ezra Cohen Watnick to pick right. up, to be like, hey, what do I say? I don't know what to say to these people. So then, after being given his marching orders, he said that he had discovered some really horrible news, which is that um, uh, the Trump transition team and possibly the Trump administration had been uh, wiretapped and and that it had been illegally unmasked um, and so on. But he couldn't say anything more about it, of course. Um, Now, remember, this was after Trump had accused Obama of wiretapping 
Trump Tower during uh, the transition period as well. Um, so we now finally have this memo released from Devin Nunez, who I think it should also be noted was a senior member of Trump's transition team. And also, um, he's a real moron. He's not a smart man. Um, it's like Carter Page level. Well, but speaking of Carter Page, oh, right. <laughs> the, 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 the memo is all about Carter Page. I know the memo is like, yo, these guys were employing a Russian asset. So it, it, basically... Like, oh, burn. The, but it, you weren't allowed to know that. So his argument was that um, a FISA court gave a warrant to legally surveil Carter Page starting in October of 2016. Carter Page at that point was a former member of Trump's Foreign Policy Advisory Board. Um, and Devin Nunez says that this decision was made entirely on the basis of this so-called Steele dossier, which was, uh, as he claimed, paid for by uh, Hillary Clinton and the Democrats, even though it was originally started and paid for by um, a right-wing... Um, Opposition research is legal. Um, and uh, biases don't play into whether or not information presented to a court is legitimate or not. Um, yeah, if so, they thought Carter Page was worth... I've thought he was worth surveilling for a while. He's the guy who went on Chris Hayes' show and was like, I definitely didn't meet with the Russian ambassador anywhere other than Cleveland. <laughs> And well, he'd and been he, under surveillance three years earlier as well. And just right, yes, he's been on and the they FBI's... Were like, he uh, keeps going up watch. the down escalator. He's been doing it for 45 minutes. <laughs> and in fact, in October of 2016, at around the exact time that this FISA warrant was granted, he went back on Chris Hayes' show. And... I, which I, ever, I watched those appearances and I was like, someone needs to tell this guy to right. stop going on television. And, and he literally said that um, everyone was going to be sorry when Paul Ryan um, allowed the information about how he had been surveilled and that it had, it had been done in a really mean way came out. So he basically he predicted that Paul Ryan was going to allow this memo to be released however many months, like five months. It's a rare um, moment of intelligence from an otherwise very well, stupid well, man. Well, it's almost as if the Republicans had planned this move far in advance. Um, so, so just to focus myself here, yeah, we've, the Nunes memo was built up for days and days and days. For two weeks In the least. conservative media with the... And, and also... And the national media. And the idea they would say, you know, oh man, this memo is devastating and we can't tell you anything about it because it's classified, but ooh lordy, the Democrats are going to look bad when we release this. So they built it up and built it up and then they release it. And what it shows is that Carter Page was looking so suspicious that he was under surveillance as a possible Russian asset. And that was a, pretty much the only takeaway that I... Well, that was the only factual takeaway. Um, the... House Republican staffers who wrote the memo had a little bit of analysis, a very small amount, um, which was that um, Christopher Steele was not to be trusted. Christopher Steele was biased. Christopher Steele leaked information to the media. Christopher Steele didn't want Donald Trump to be president. Um, and uh, consequently, 
the information in the dossier should never have been allowed to be used as part of the FBI and Department of Justice's application to the FISA court um, asking for the legal ability to uh, surveil Carter Page. Which is obviously bullshit. I mean, the whole point of this memo, <laughs> nothing in this memo is truthful or makes any sense, but its purpose is to give conservatives an excuse to be on the Trump team. You know, they're like, oh, well, this Russia thing is all just a, is, you know, look at this memo. Obviously, there's nothing to the Russia stuff. I mean, th- there are there are many issues with this memo. Um, uh, I can think of three just ginormous ones. The, the first one is that, um, you know, they're claiming that the show's bias against Trump and that we're spying on Trump. Um, but this warrant was not granted until October of 2016, at which point the Trump campaign had gone to extremely great lengths to say that Carter Page had nothing to do with the Trump campaign. He had been a very brief volunteer advisor, um, and he was a nobody. So why should they care whether or not anybody was surveilling him? Um, that's point well, number sure, one. Well, sure, but you know, every I mean... That's such a nest of lies. It's hard to sort out. Because he could, uh, he did work for them. You know, it's, right. just, it's convenient for them. When he's making them look bad, they barely know who he is. But when he's been under surveillance, he's beloved Trump friend and ally. Point, been, point number two, yeah. which is probably the biggest one, uh, is contained in the last paragraph of the memo. Um where, which is, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't quote it, but it, 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 it's a one sentence where, uh, you know, previously somewhere in the memo, uh, George Papadopoulos, another advisor to Trump, um, is mentioned. George Papadopoulos, remember, being a, a, another advisor who has already pled guilty to uh, lying to the FBI about contacts with Russians that he drunkenly reported to an Australian. Um, and the memo literally says that said Papadopoulos information led to the beginning of the FBI probe on Trump and Russia connections in July of 2016. So the whole point of the memo was to say that the FBI DOJ investigation into Trump-Russia connections happened only because of the Steele dossier, and the Steele dossier is no good for various ridiculous reasons, and that happened in October of 2016. Except in their own memo, they grant that the FBI investigation had actually already started in July of 2016 because a member of Trump's campaign team had lied to the FBI and been caught in the lie and then admitted it to them. So I, mean, I just don't understand. I mean, did, did nobody, I mean, read and read this memo? I mean, did they not no. realize that they had written this three, pa- three and a half pages and then there's a sentence at the end that essentially says, please disregard everything that was written previous to this? Your misunderstanding its function is what I think. Oh, no, I'm not. I was going to get to that. Oh, all right. Well, so I'm, I'm, I was talking strictly on, you know, the merits of facts and logic. Well, that's not applicable to American politics anymore. Right. Um, so yes, I I think what what you're driving at is that this was really intended to uh, muddy the waters, if you will. It's a propaganda item. Yeah. It's a prop. It's something Trump can hold up and say, "Look, this says no collusion. Here it is, a me- an unclassified memo from the House Intelligence Committee." 
and they'll go along, right? Nunes will be like, yeah, this totally shows that. And then you read it, and you're like, it doesn't show that, but nobody, nobody's going to read right. it. Well, Trump tweeted the next morning that this fully vindicated him and his family. If the exact text was, fully vindicates, quote, Trump, end quote. And I'm like, what? Why, why are you putting your own well, name the, in quotes? The corporate entity known as Trump, which owns all of his... Uh, assets and and debts but none of his actual the trump uh, organization i don't know why he puts it in quotes i doubt even he knows he's sort of like a no he's a sovereign citizen it's a it's a separate jazz tweeter corporate and human thing i don't think that's what it was (laughs) he may have pulled his comb over on a little too tight i don't know kafifi exactly um and of course, in it, I would say that you're absolutely right that this was largely um, a piece of propaganda to continue largely. feeding to Fox News and um, and his Twitter followers and so on. But it did have one other purpose uh, as well, which was that I think it was pretty clearly a an attempt to set up a pretext to uh, vilify uh, and eventually ouster uh, Rod Rosenstein. No, I think that's part of its propaganda function, because as you pointed out, its actual... The arguments that it lays out don't accomplish that in any degree, laying a case for getting rid of Rod Rosenstein. But that's what they want to be able to do, so they're just going to go on Sean Hannity and be like, this clearly shows we have to get rid of Rod Rosenstein. So I believe that uh, you know there were there, a number of people were involved in these warrants and their renewals. Um, I think six people: um, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, his deputy, Dana Bente. Three of those was, guys are gone now. Who was the uh, acting attorney general at at one point? Sally Yates, gone, um, and uh, Rod Rosenstein. Uh, I believe maybe it's those five. Four of those five people have either been fired or uh, basically forced to resign. Rod um, Rosenstein's like the guy on the wooden plank looking at all the sharks, right. and he's got like one oar. Um, and uh, you know, not coincidentally, these are also the people who were overseeing the uh, investigation into uh, Trump and Russia and obstruction and, and all that. Um, yeah, I think we're in deep trouble because he's going to fire Rosenstein. So, um, you know, we just mentioned Andrew McCabe. And, you know, since we last spoke, um, Andrew McCabe very suddenly um, resigned. And we don't uh, really know why. I Like, there's theories, but I haven't seen a story that reports on what actually happened. Yeah, I mean, he certainly hasn't. Uh, given a specific reason, um, I mean the the closest thing to an explanation that we've gotten, and this is m- still mostly hearsay, um, is that the inspector general is investigating his role in the investigation of the Hillary email saga, and that there's going to be something in a report that he was aware of the emails on Huma Abedin's laptop for about three weeks before he, like, really aggressively started. Oh, this started. is the scandal that he followed departmental policy in right. not investigating political matters right. during a, right before an election. Right, so ba- basically basically he got fired for, uh, right, for, for he following resigned. long-standing... He did not get fired. He was forced to resign. No, I know, but, like, yeah. he, they didn't fire him, they just did some... I don't know what they did, that's what they I'm They talked very in. sternly to him, such well, that sure, he... But... 
such that he felt that his position was no longer tenable, and he resigned probably because he chose to follow long-standing Department of Justice policy, unlike his boss, James Comey, who did not follow said policy when he sent his now infamous letter to Although Comey, I now think that he didn't follow the policy because he was afraid the New York FBI office was going to leak. Oh, I'm sure that's why he did it. Yeah. So, in other words, the FBI conspiracy to intervene in the election was to help Trump. It should also be pointed out that, um, with the exception of Sally Yates, all of the people that I mentioned are Republicans, including Andrew McCabe. I thought Sally Yates was a Republican. Is she? I, I don't know. That. No, they don't really. Don't these FBI and DOJ people don't really talk that much about their political viewpoints because it's not it's not proper for their work. But some of them are registered, and yeah. you you can. Well, Mueller and Comey are Republicans. You can often tell. McCabe by, was a Trump appointee. Well, he was he was a Trump appointee in the sense that he was appointed the acting director of the FBI after Comey was but fired. But he was there already. But yeah, he he. Ray is the Trump-appointed FBI director, and he's been trying to keep... I don't know what he's been trying to do. I mean, as Trump appointees go, he's been pretty spectacular. Yeah, but the problem is, Trump is in charge of the executive branch. It's very hard for the executive branch to defend itself from him. Uh, But that being said, uh, Ray actually did attempt to do yeah, so. Yeah, for now. With, but, I mean, a, we got another three years of this. It's, it's, I mean, I mean it, it is highly unusual for the FBI and the Department of Justice to release a statement in general, and certainly even more unusual to release a statement expressing their strong disagreement with a decision made by the president and... Uh, strongly suggesting that a document that the president is declassifying and releasing to the public is full of factual errors and lies. I mean, that's just it's, uh, yeah, it's but a bizarre situation. Well, it's trying to defend itself, the system, the the you know imperfect, but the old the Department of Justice and the FBI aren't not perfect but they're based on the idea that impartiality and political neutrality are important even though they often fall short of living up to that ideal because the country is important I well think because you the... serve the country by right. enforcing the laws that way but when you change what it is that you serve it's yeah, like, I, I was going to say that like the the all of this behavior is abnormal but we've gotten rid of all the norms. Like these guys don't care about what was normal at all. They have a different new normal reality. They have a different idea of what bias means. In the old days, when we said bias, <laughs> it means it meant that unloyal, it was unfairly prejudiced. But now it means un disloyal to Trump. Yeah. In quotes. And so you know, if he really wants to destroy the FBI or and or reincarnate it as a Trump serving armed force and domestically that's what he's gonna do well he's got eric prince for that yeah not that's later i mean i was kidding a little bit before but i, I he does apparently refer to the department justice of justice as the trump department of justice of course he does he regards the whole the whole government 
because of their racism, a minority of Americans have decided to make this whole country part of the Trump organization. And that's and how Trump, he sees yeah. it. And Trump believes that he is the CEO, president, and dictator of that organization, and that everyone yep. should report to him, and he should be able to order them around in whatever And they definitely shouldn't it. be impartially investigating his behavior or his finances or any potential money laundering that he may have been uh, deeply participating in for decades. Or even, you know, minor issues like paying off um, uh, porn stars with campaign money. Sure. I don't see how we ever recover from this. But um, the other the other interesting subdrama of the Nunes memo is that there's a repo- there's a Democratic memo that is sort of a yes. reply that's like, "Yo, this is all bullshit," and they're trying to get that declassified now. I think all this memo business is a mistake, though. On the part of, <sighs> I mean, I don't know. It's very hard to make up to figure out the right tactics there's the george lakoff is always is it lakoff or lakoff i don't know he's a political scientist and he's always saying that we shouldn't if you talk about things in the terminology that the republicans propose you're helping them even if you're arguing against them because you're making you're sort of making their framing of the situation more firm and more widely entrenched and so i think that's definitely true in a lot of cases i mean a good example of that would be that horrible term chain migration sure or job creators or death tax i mean they're very good at doing this and so pro-life pro-choice yeah and so there's one the the memo like we were talking about nobody the people who are excited and passionate about the memo are not excited about it because of the words that it says and the arguments that it makes it's a talisman to them and so for us to spend time writing a reasoned and thoughtful argument about why the memo doesn't make any sense it just ends up very effective waste of our time it's well and it's just more time spent talking about the memo and and sort of building up the importance of the memo um well I, i don't think that this memo has changed the mind of a single person no it's not supposed to it's supposed to inflame and excite certain people while frustrating and confusing and demoralizing other people I think it's doing a good job of that i know it's been quite effective in that way and that's what they're going to keep doing you know trump's approval rating has been going up the con- generic congressional ballot has been trending more favorably to republicans um approval of the horrific tax law has been rising that's another little fascist tidbit is the way the corporations have been playing their part in the propaganda machine where they've been you know all the companies being like, because of how great this tax cut is, we're giving out bonuses and raises, and uh, and, uh, and it's all stuff they were going to do anyway, but they can just rebrand it. It's just like how in, for in, 10 inmate years... Inmate number one, uh, criminal number one in that is Apple. You think they're number been, one? There's a couple of candidates. I would say they're number... They're the, first of all, they're the biggest corporation in the world. Um Second, and they had been, a lot of offshore money right. that they're now going to get to they, bring back. They've been really flouting... Uh, tax law basically now for a long time, w- and they were planning on bringing this money back anyway. Rewarded. And uh, right, and so now they're bringing it back under more positive uh, uh, terms for them, and uh, claiming that 
uh, they're doing it because of uh, these new corporate taxes. Well, and they're going to throw like rules. 5% of the windfall that they got by not having to pay the appropriate tax rate back at people in the form of whatever, bonuses or salary increases or new spending. And then they'll say, look at all this new spending. You don't think that Hostess providing free snacks to their workers oh, is... Uh, God is a worthy um, thing to tout, or the uh, $1.50 a week that Paul Ryan is <laughs> that so was proud hilarious. of. That's like my favorite new talking point from the right, is like, oh, look at these coastal elites who are, you know, shaming hardworking Americans for being excited about their extra $1.50 a week. And I'm like, I don't know, man, like, find me the person who's excited. $1.50 a week? But it covers her Costco membership. Yeah, I, I, sure. I feel like people are more concerned about, you know, like how they can't afford medicine for their kids. Yeah, I was going to say, if if your um, health insurance premium goes up more than $1.50 a week, then it, that... Well, it's like uh, if your top concern is that how am I going to afford that Costco membership, that's like a pretty good position to be in because there's people who are like, how am I going to afford food? Food is important. Yeah, more important yeah. than a Costco membership. Yeah, But the whole Costco thing is like, sure, people should be in Costco, but... It's well, such I think a even, bar lowering to be like, "You're welcome, America." Even Paul Here's Ryan, dollar fifty a week. I think even Paul Ryan realized this was in poor taste since he pulled the ad. That's right. It's almost a hundred dollars a year. <laughs> or barely more than half a hundred dollars a year. Well, no, a dollar fifty times fifty-two weeks. It's about seventy-five. It's like seventy-six dollars. You guys, you got to give him credit. It's the seventy-six dollars. <laughs> That's like nothing. Yeah, it's not a lot of money. And I'm, and I'm supposedly a coastal elite because I'm you like... Are. Fr- I don't know. If some person wants to be like, I'm really excited about $76 a year, that's fine. But it's not going to solve... They're giving it so much more credit than it really deserves. Especially while they're for... giving rich people like tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. They're giving Apple billions of dollars. Hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah. Plus, the iPhone X isn't very good. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> I believe it's pronounced the iPhone ten. Is that what they want me to say? That's what Apple wants you to say, but nobody calls it that. Where was the... There was no 9. It's true. So what the How hell? How can they have OS X, but then iPhone ten? Because it's not OS X. It's OS ten, according to them. But again, nobody calls it that. I still have headphones <laughs> with cords, and they can pry them out of my cold, dead hands. But this is off topic. What were we doing? Devin Nunes. He's an idiot. We should... I believe that we need to focus all our energy on the 2018 midterms and stop worrying about the memos. Just accept that the Republicans have completely lost their minds. Well, the one, one of the only benefits of the memo is that Devin Nunes' Democratic challenger has raised over $700,000 since the release of the memo. That's nice. So, you know, there is that. Um, You'll have a cushy job, though, working in the Koch brothers, I don't know, assumedly, like, installing the water things on the coolers or whatever they find for him to do. The water tanks? I don't know. You see, I wouldn't trust him with any real engineering task because he's really stupid. He looks like he's got some physical heft to him. He could Mm, probably... Not really. He's sweaty. He, um, he could, like, he could stand by and put their coat on them when they need to go outside. That's a good he job. He would probably be good at uh, lying down on a puddle. So that, And they're uh, like, you can just put your jacket on that. Have some self-respect. And he's like, oh, <laughs> have you familiar with my work? I don't do that. Yeah. 
I, want, I like so you to step on me. They, so they won't get their cowboy boots wet. Um, Andrew, I know we were going to get to your topic next, but since we're talking about the uh, 2018 midterms, I, um, I think uh, it's important to reiterate what Mike already mentioned, which is that we're, yeah. we are seeing some troubling um, trends with the uh, uh, generic uh, ballot poll. I'm not going to go too crazy about it quite yet. It's no, just we should totally flip out and just scream. It's two, it's two weeks of data. Um, yeah, the election's in like nine months. I mean, yeah. you know. Um, and Things will happen between... You know, gen- generally, there's going to be a little bit of a bump after any State of the Union um, as well. So um, I think that's to be expected. Um, we Even also... like a really stupid, vapid, shitty one. Because everyone who... Usually it's members of the president's party who are the majority of the viewers of the State of the Union. So usually the State of the Union has a pretty high favorability. Well, and we and... have to realize, too, that elections aren't about convincing anybody anymore. It's about charging up your people and demoralizing their people. Uh, well, and also uh, preventing black people from voting. Yeah, that's, that's under a, that's the de- demoralizing. Right. You know, that's not demoralizing like so much death. as like literally removing their ability to, to exercise their... Uh, constitutionally given maybe rights. that's like the, the like slate pitchy like it's good for the congressional ballot to get closer because then the republicans won't deploy their like heavy vote suppression methods because they won't feel like they have to anyway but speaking of vote slate suppression pitch. uh we did have some some good news today um when the supreme court declined to issue a stay um in the state uh, court ruling in Pennsylvania um, on the uh, unconstitutional congressional districts. That yeah, that's good, but I don't I like that expected. Alito even. Alito should have just dismissed this one out of hand. That's true. Um, I mean, this is like the right outcome, but I don't. I'm like, I'm like I see what you did, Alito. But I mean, do, uh, do you ex- do you really expect anything decent from Alito? He's got all the ideological rigidity of Scalia and none of the charm. Well, luckily for this whole situation, um, the guy in Pennsylvania who's in charge of doing that redistricting again says he's totally not going to do it anyway. And he's going to like pursue like an appeal. Yeah. And I was like, appeal what? Appeal it's the to Supreme Court. What do you think the yeah. Supreme in their name means? Yeah, well, I don't New think... York gets the lowest court. I don't think he's going to be very effective in his uh, attempt to be obstinate um, with a uh, Democratic governor and uh, the courts uh, aligned against him. I mean, I think he'll just be holding. They they clear they play they are playing this whole game as like as if they fully recognize they being the Republicans, sort of the white supremacists. They're like they totally the get that they're will. not going to be in power indefinitely and so they're trying to just like claw onto it as long as they can to try to destroy america before they like fall out of power and so in that you know all he needs to do is delay and delay until it you know make it as hard as possible to draw real districts they're trying to funnel as much money to Werner von braun's nuclear program you know as possible i mean i'm not sure i fully i'm not sure i see all the subtleties of the reference but (laughs) But yeah, they're trying to do some bad stuff. I'm I'm referring to them as Nazis. He's one of those complicated Nazis who helped us with the space program after 
He wasn't that complicated. He just helped us with the space program well, after. We, we pretend it's complicated because right. we don't want to be like, yeah, we hired and employed a Nazi for decades. Um, but it was a different uh, time. <laughs> we we do have another uh, uh, fairly high-profile Republican House seat. Uh, oh, the Nazi guy. Opening as well. Um, because Trey Gowdy oh, no. has, has is, announced... Is that the... Yeah. Trey Gowdy has announced that he will uh, be retiring and returning to um, being uh, a highly judicial, paid lawyer. The judicial life. Yeah. He said he yeah, wants to go right. back. Yeah, that's right. The Justice Department, where people treat each other right. Yeah, he says he wants to go back to being a prosecutor. He is, must be so sad that he doesn't get to just be fucking with Hillary Clinton all the time, every day. Like, he was so excited for her to win the presidency, and then he was just going to ruin her life on a daily basis. And instead, Apparent, that didn't happen. Apparently, he was also extremely disappointed that he didn't become the attorney general. Aww. That was um, that was a big. Uh, he big, got beat out by an even more him. disgusting swamp creature. Yeah, he should have been swampier faster. No one can outswamp Jeff Sessions. <laughs> He's like a <laughs> disgusting monster from America's ancient evil heart. <laughs> and something that was a little bit confusing to me, though, that uh, Trey Gowdy, on the record, kind of slammed Devin Nunez's memo. Um, well, it, I mean, he's not uh, going to uh, be there. He doesn't need to be loyal. Uh, unlike Devin Nunez, he actually <laughs> looked at the evidence that the um, that the House Republican staffers used to write the memo. Devin Nunez couldn't be bothered to look at the underlying evidence that was used Devin to write Nunez his own memo. Devin Nunez understood the purpose of the memo, right. and it was Yeah, the not... evidence was never important. Um. Anyway, but uh, Andrew, I think we've delayed we've delayed your um long-awaited first installment of Andrew's Topic of the Week. We should do some music. Did you ever notice? No. Where are they trying crazy. to keep out of those things? <laughs> so I, I think it's, in light of all this stuff, not in light of all this stuff, I think it's been interesting. <laughs> My segues are the best. So getting away from the direct politics, um, although it's sort of come right back into the forefront today as the stock market took a huge plunge right as Trump was talking about how great the... Literally right at the same like time. Directly <laughs> on, the, on the TV at the same time. Um, Even Fox News cut him off. But, but more interesting to me than that is what's been going on with Bitcoin. Um, and not just Bitcoin, but the whole sort of uh, cryptocurrency... Andrew, why don't you give our, our, our listeners a very brief overview of what cryptocurrency is. Yeah, we've got is. hundreds of confused listeners. <laughs> so, well, to the listener, um, Bitcoins and other crypto coins are sort of a technology of uh, pretend coins that people can have digitally that you know it's impossible some to of explain, which ben why would you some of some of which purport to represent things um that you can do like for instance uh it could be like tokens for a restaurant rewards program or it could be something that helps you to make financial transfers between current between real currencies uh run more smoothly. I thought we were supposed but that's to say fiat currencies. Real currencies. So, um, so that's what they're supposed to be, but that's not really how it's gone at all. Um, so 
This time last year, Bitcoin, which was sort of the first to market, was $1,000. All right. It was about $1,000. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, so, so that was pretty good. Um, but over the next year, it sort of climbed steadily through the summer. And over two weeks in December, it jumped. It had already climbed to $11,000. Wow. And it jumped in two weeks to $19,000. No. So today, in the midst of all of this, uh, over the last sort of week, uh, it's dropped now down below $7,000. It's a huge, huge, huge drop. And this is all just complete craziness. Oh, yeah. And everyone is all taken up in it, and it, it just sort of blows my mind. And the Bitcoins themselves are only the tip of the iceberg. There are over 900 altcoins in... Uh, out there that you can invest in is an alt alt coin. That just means an alternative or like other coins. Another coin. Uh, they have fun names. Uh, some like Ripple and Ether and Monero are some bigger ones, and some of them are called Unobtainium and Whitecoin and Zoin and Hobo Nickels. You got to talk about and Do- Dogecoin. Dogecoin. Um, they're fantastic, and most of them are. Uh, I don't know, hoaxes that someone will just run off with the money. Who knows? It's completely unregulated, and the speculation is driving everything. There's there's almost no underlying value to any of these things. Why do you um, think... Oh, well, I don't want to interrupt you, so... Yeah, or in, interrupt away. Why do you... What is it that caused Bitcoin to go up so much and then down so much? I can tell you what I think that is. Um, okay, tell so, me what you think that is. So, uh, in the 1930s, um, people with a lot of money did all this, did stuff, crazy, like, wild stuff that you can do when you have more money than the stock market itself is worth. It was sex Um, stuff. It was sort of sex stuff. Um, Sometimes it's called pump and dump. Um, I don't... I want to just make sure we're being clear what we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So, so you're talking um, about monetary scams using monetary investments. monetary scams using investments and using shadow corp like shadow individuals trading and like, with themselves, you know, colluding with each other to fix prices and all that stuff. Next Completely. week we're gonna have Andrew's less simple explanation of um, cryptocurrency. You know, it's impossible to explain this stuff <laughs> because it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, so. So that stuff we made illegal for stocks because oh, you're, that's you're leaving out the part where they obliterated the economy. <laughs> oh yes, they completely obliterate the economy. Um, and then some people were like, "Hey, maybe we should do hey, this." Hey, like we're a, all starving to death. Like a fair way that that sort of um, some kind of that, commission that people can like actually a engage and exchange in. commission. Um, so cryptocurrencies now have come along, and they are utterly unregulated by any of this. Um, so you're saying they're basically like, hey, don't you want to go back to the 1920s when yeah, there was don't a free you, don't you market? Love it? <laughs> and freedom. Have... Freedom is great, right? We love freedom. Andrew, I have a question for you. Yeah. Would you say that in some way that the cryptocurrencies are akin to uh, unregulated virtual commodities such as items in... Um, massively multiplayer online games oh, like shit. World of Warcraft. Or like Second Life is a good example of that stuff too. Or Diablo. Possibly or, more. I don't think you can... You know, where, where, where people spend like actual fairly large amounts of money in order to to purchase these virtual items that don't yeah, really it's, exist. It's a little complicated, but in a lot of cases I would say, yeah, totally. 
Well, except you some get of... something you can enjoy when you buy one of the digital items in a video game. With Bitcoin, you get some numbers. You get well, to enjoy you the ride. Can, you can buy things with the cryptocurrency. Yeah, so cryptocurrencies, you some of them are actually accepted as currency in some places, and and some of them have uh, are used by the businesses that issued them for things that have monetary val- actual monetary value. And you can um, certainly trade them on exchanges for actual currency. And yeah, you but can, they can't. Yeah. So it's it's complicated is the answer. It, I'm just controlling it's myself. It's complicated. I'm not a fan. So, yeah, and, and um, I mean, in the midst of this, we see, like, obvious whales, like J.P. Morgan, uh, Jamie Dimon, um, and noted lunatic John McAfee, um, who sort of take turns every week saying the whole thing's going to completely disappear or the whole thing's going to jump to over a million dollars per coin. They're just completely manipulating the market and it's impossible for normal people to know or understand. But wait, um, didn't, didn't John McAfee murder a whole bunch of people? That was never proven. With also, Bitcoin. Also allegedly dodged a bunch of taxes. Also that you could allegedly wrote a book about how the butt is the best way to do bath salts. Um, Wait, which part of that is allegedly? He allegedly wrote a book, or <laughs> allegedly that's true? <laughs> Both? It's been entirely clear to me what bat salts are. It might be more fun if you weren't muted. It's never been entirely clear to me what bat yeah, salts are. Yeah, don't mess are. around with bat salts. They yeah, are they, one of the most really dangerous and bizarre of all the recreational So they're substances. not like one of those things that you can buy at the body shop? No, and they are. Drop they're, they're, not, they're not. They're not. They're a real, they're a real drug that that is packaged similarly to bath salts. Yeah, it's so you can go to a store. It's like how, it's like um, glassware cleaner will sometimes be a drug, but they sell it. They don't sell it as something for human use as a way to evade law enforcement. Are we talking about Windex? No, we're talking about bath salts. I'm so confused. Don't do bath salts. There's nothing okay, to be confused <laughs> yeah, about. Don't yeah, otherwise you'll end up bath salts. eating someone's face on a Florida highway. And getting and shot like 19 that. times and being yeah. like, I love it. I can't. It's the best spring break ever. Um, what Andrew, about bubble bath? Bubble bath is delicious and no one this. will take that away I want to ask me. Andrew this question. Yeah. Where do you see all this being in like five years? I, I have no idea. I, I demand that you spin out of fantasy. Like... So uh, I I could have a fantasy where um, people just sort of it, it stays moving up and down and people stay very excited about it and keep seems putting hard money to into sustain it. that indefinitely. I'm five years is a long Don't time. Don't you feel the like there of this people has who like mortgage their house to buy bitcoins when they were at so, like nineteen thousand dollars? So that's the other is is enough people will be burned so badly by this that it will begin to be regulated. And so China has pretty much... I think a lot of what happened today is because China uh, has said they're going to ban all cryptocurrency. Uh, Well, yeah, they're not excited about it. Who was a big player has been regulating it um, similarly to the way they do stocks. China exercises severe capital controls on their citizens. Um, So so another another big possibility is that... um, the people who the the real question is like this really seems like a a bubble of the yeah, most like, enormous yeah. variety. What are you talking um, about? It went from a thousand to nineteen thousand for no underlying back to reason. seven thousand, and then uh, and then who's going to be left holding the bag is really the question. And if no one the people will join last, no one will join the scam anymore to hold on to that bag. 
then it's everything's just going to drop down to some considerably lower price. One thing, possibly allowing it to be used in the way it was sort of intention intended to be. Well, used. it was intended to be used to hire killers and buy drugs and exchange illegal activities on the internet. Right, but now it can't even be used for that because Aww, it's what a it's, tragedy. it's it's too volatile. It's too valuable as a as a as an yeah, investment. Yeah, well, there's a whole thing about it. it. Can't be both a currency and an investment. There's a reason that dollar bills aren't a great investment because the qualities that make something a good currency are not good for an investment, and vice well, versa. Well, tell that to people These... in some third world countries who use dollar bills as an investment. Today, dollar bills were a pretty good investment. I think you know what I'm talking about. As like a long <laughs> currency is usually not a good long term investment because one of its jobs is to remain at approximately the same value over long periods of time. Right. I think in the interest of full disclosure, we should tell our listeners that Andrew um, is an investor in Trump coin. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, don't try to pump and dump I, all these altcoins here on our show. This is an integrity family show. I will yeah. do my very best to try. We, we do not pump and dump. On no one should ever <laughs> invest in any cryptocurrencies. If someone tries to get you to do it, run. And don't get left holding the bag. That's no, funny. and don't That's ever the touch the bag. Stay away from the bag. <laughs> These are bad. This is a bad financial device. For, for... Okay, so I have I have a, a sort of semi-rhetorical question regarding this. I love it. Would you guys say then that if you get uh, too tied up in... Um, cryptocurrency um, that you could end up going down a bad road and end up in a similar situation to a noted Paul Manafort associate Rick Gates. What the hell kind of convoluted segue was that? I'm just saying that Rick Gates is uh, currently indicted for uh, money laundering and tax evasion which seemed to be some of the pitfalls that Andrew was potentially alluding to. If you want to talk about Rick Gates, let's just talk about Rick Gates. Of, um, <laughs> of the problems involved in cryptocurrencies. Gates coin. So, uh, yeah, I, I was bringing that up because uh, it, it was we have somewhat 21 intriguing seconds. this week when uh, Rick Gates's lawyers all quit um, at once, but the then reason that they lawyer, quit yeah. was sealed... And then a different lawyer who is uh, noted for being a lawyer exclusively for um, turning his clients into cooperating witnesses um, was hired as Rick Gates' new lawyer. Do you think? Do you think that it, those those documents were sealed by a kiss from a rose? I think so. I, I, right? That, Anyone remember Ro Seal? I do. <laughs> Bro, is that is that the name of Robert Mueller's wife? He's a singer. From that Batman movie with the He got crotch. killed by wolves in that Sandberg movie? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah Rick Gates flipped. It's obvious. Seal was I hope he's got a good of, uh, bodyguard. Um, of sexual harassment. What? Last week. What the... F Come on, man. Hashtag me too. Ugh. I wanted to shit on cryptocurrency more, but I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, well. Well, that's fine, because I'm I'm voting down... Your ability to rebut. What? Oh, I can't release my memo about how you dangerously can't... insane cryptocurrencies are? That's right. It's treasonous for you to even suggest. The only currency that's that not just that. a shitty currency, it also destroys the environment and makes graphics cards unaffordable. That's the part that pisses me off the most. The whole thing is very stupid. Graphics cards cost like three times as much as they should. Yeah, because of Monero or whatever.
It's true. Yo, we got to end the show. Any, uh, what do we got to do? Parting thoughts? Um, America's going to die. That's my parting thought. Enjoy it while you can. It's over. I think we've, we've, we fucked ourselves too much this time. How about an over-under on um, uh, Rod Rosenstein's employment? <sighs> That's a tricky one. It all hinges on that, too. I'm going to go with 50-50. <laughs> That's not really an over under. <laughs> That's a good over. What's an over under? I don't gamble. <laughs> like how, uh, how 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 one, many days f- do you five. think you will remain employed? Oh, I don't I don't know. 50. 50 50 5050 days. Well, that that would be impressive. No, I think that might be I, a, that might set a record. I have no Natural idea. Record. We're I'm going with the, the letter V. Yeah, that's a good guess. Um, I think that Rod Rosenstein will be uh, fired within the next two weeks. Whoa. That is a bold prediction. It's and, happening. And then I don't even have any idea what's going to happen. What I'm waiting for is for Trump to just say in a speech what he clearly yearns to say. That being, Democrats are enemies of the people and you should kill anyone that you see around you at any time. That's how we'll know it's really going to get started. And then the media will report on that. Be like, Trump issue, both sides Trump, are so intolerant. Trump issues bipartisan call for, <laughs> for purges for, of Democrats. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why yeah. didn't Nancy Pelosi stop him from telling the FBI to start uh, targeting Democrats for assassination? The, Bernie would have won. The New York Times will send uh, send a, a crew of reporters and to interview uh, Trump's execution squad. Um, these aren't these aren't really that funny because like there's a real Nazi who's running for office in Pennsylvania, for example. Did you choose to execute Democrats because you felt ignored? Yeah, is it? We it's just it's really the coastal elite's fault because they let the economic uncertainty get so severe that they had to st- look. These aren't funny. I'm going to stop doing these. Everyone, make sure you get out and vote in 2018. Yes, vote. Um, Everybody, like anyone's uh, listening. All right, we got to end the show. Okay, on that note, thanks for listening to Sanity Check. Make sure to join us again next time, and if you liked what you heard, you can subscribe at iTunes, on the Google Play Store, or at sanitycheckpod.com. And in the meantime, keep resisting and persisting.